Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Housewives Archives, a podcast where we discuss in great depth all things Real Housewives. My name is James Evans, and joining me is my co-host, Ellie Nunn. Ellie, how are you? Oh my gosh, your co-host. Yeah. It's amazing. I, I wasn't, I don't know what I thought you were going to say. Well, soulmate. anything, a number of things. Like friend, partner in crime, oh, well, friend. friend was quite low down there. I was also going to go with, you are the Alex to my Simon, which Ooh. I think is, there's no higher honor. Mm, not sure. Not sure. I think oh. I'd rather be the Simon to your Alex, potentially. Really? You'd rather be the Simon? Um, uh, Perhaps you're right that to be the Alex to someone, Simon, I mean, the man does adore her. So I feel like in a way you're right. If it comes down to perspective, that is kind of a compliment of the highest degree. There was that beautiful moment. I don't know if you remember this, when Alex had in one of her talking heads, she was talking about, um, you know, they went on a couple of dates, they met online dating, and then he wrote her a card or something and said, you will always have my heart. And then she oh, you when know, she started welling off. up. Yeah. And she said, and, and he always has beautiful it was exactly that was it was actually one of the moments one of the truest moments of emotion I would say on the show up until that point and um and a slightly bemusing moment for everyone as it came totally unprompted and (laughs) and was also in some ways one of the most unromantic unromantic tellings of a story (laughs) but you know James they've made it clear they were both neither of them were looking for anything they were they were very upfront. They wanted something casual. They wanted a one night stand, you know. And look and, at them and there now. There you go. And you know what? And they're what? still standing. Exactly. And color me curious because I'm on all the dating apps and I'm I'm trying the same thing and I'm waiting for my Simon to pop up. It actively says on my Hinge profile, I'm looking for something casual. I've heard it's the way to go. I would say, you know, pull out the name Simon, and if they know, they know. That's a little <laughs> On that note, um, I should say to everyone, the reason why we're just, we're going hard on um, Alex and Simon right now is because I'm, I'm actually quite giddy to say this. Our very first proper episode that we're ever going to do is about Alex McCord herself. And I feel like she's, you know, she's largely been forgotten in the annals of of housewives history by the show itself you know i find it really interesting out of all of those women you know the jill zarins the the kelly ben simones who were culled after season four she's never made another guest appearance on the show i feel like she's rarely referred to she's now living in australia so she's literally in another continent just far removed from the other women and whenever they flash back to her i've noticed that it feels like they always try and strategically cut around alex and it is like they want us to forget but we never will. Sorry, I just burped while you were saying that. Well, Absolutely. No, I agree. I feel like she has been in some ways written out of, of Housewives history and you watch back the first four seasons and it's hard to imagine considering 
the mark she made. I would argue that Alex is responsible for upwards of 90% of the texts that I have sent you entirely in capital letters. <laughs> it's, it is interesting because when you first started watching those early seasons, you, I, 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 I prepped you. I said, you're in for a wild ride when you meet Alex McCord. And oh boy, I was not let down by your responses. You were texting what? me 24 hours a day. Alex McCord, we, this and that. <laughs> 24 hours a day. Can we just say, like when, when, James, when James said, I prepped you, that what he means is I told you exactly what was going to happen in a scene just before it happened. <laughs> <laughs> verbatim it was my own one-man show verbatim just... impressions <laughs> like full spoiler show. alerts um which i did enjoy i have to say that it's it's an added experience whenever you do that for me because um it does mean that i get to enjoy your impressions sort of twice over once when you do them for me and then once on watching so thank you i, actually, I appreciate I actually that i do enjoy that they are, they're very garbled impressions and I feel like they don't do the women justice because they're so bad, but also because they're so crazy that I feel like my hazy recollections of what they said actually make more sense than whatever they're saying. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm giving the scene more of a narrative trajectory than, than what the women are doing. But sorry, one thing before I forget. Um, I really want to get this off of my chest. I think that Alex McCord is really flourishing in the year 2020, much like Beverly Hills' Taylor Armstrong in the world of memes. Ah, Just a simple... The meme community. My friend very sweetly turned to me a few years ago and said, ooh, I've been getting very into memes. (laughs) (laughs) Who's Um, that? Tell me, tell me. (laughs) She sounds fun. She'd like to remain anonymous. Okay. Um, Tell me, tell me about... um, Tell me about her new lease of life in, in the meme world. So I think my favorite meme um, is one that comes up again and again, and it's very relevant for me. So the, the heading, the wording at the top is whenever I post a selfie and it gets more than 10 likes. And then it's the video of Alex in her home office talking to Simon, where she's going, you know, I didn't ask for this. It just kind of fell into my lap. And it's not like, what do you do? I'm a model. It's yes, I'm a model. This is a business and I'm going to make money off of this. And I, I can relate. <laughs> I mean, let's be fair though, when it came to Alex's modeling career, the editors needed to take a bow because Alex's modeling career could have 100% been framed as something to be celebrated on that show. And the editors made sure that she looked as uncomfortable and criticized as possible, as was humanly possible every note given by the photographer which is completely normal for a photo shoot Uh was made to look like a sort of pointed or or when they had her list all the fashion shows she'd done as if she was lying about how many she'd done (laughs) and she was having to count them off on her fingers she gives them material and I'd love to have been the producer who was following her around where you know they finished season three she had that infamous modeling um session with Kelly Ben Simone on the beach and then one of the, the most check painful so painful, painful and they go okay television ever it's a new season what are you up to Alex like how's your summer been and she goes well I'm a model now oh okay great <laughs> Tell me more. And just keeping a straight face, but also the cogs whirring in that producer's brain going, oh my God, we're onto something here. This is going to be gold dust. Set her up for a shoot. 
Get make get the, get the hairdresser, was. make her hair as big as possible, give her the most dramatic makeup. I'm going to whisper into her ear beforehand. Okay, so it's like a black swan themed shoot. Okay, you need to be really serious and dramatic, but don't tell the photographer. So he doesn't know what the hell's going on. Genius. <laughs> And then sent her straight out to a, to a function afterwards. I know. Yeah, you can't make it up. God, she's, she's a good sport, though. You, you must give her that. She is a good sport. And I think that I think there's a lot in Alex to really admire. She's a great listener. You know, mm. it's said again and again on the show, a lot of the women, um, and they don't seem to understand it themselves. They're like, for some reason, I'm, I'm, I feel I can talk to her. I feel that, you know, we had Bethany, first of all, kind of opening up to, to Alex and then Ramona in quite a big way in, in season four. And in some ways, I think that's partly just because Alex talks the least out of all the women and uh, yeah, has the least kind of bombastic personality. And therefore, people can actually get a word in edgeways. Uh, so she makes, she makes a good listener. I feel like she's actually Loki, one of the smarter housewives as well. She often mm. uses a turn of phrase very well. And I feel like she actually knows what she's talking about. And sometimes that throws the women off a bit as well. Um, I feel mm. like it's, you know, she's, she's not really one for a malapropism. So in that case, Ramona doesn't really know what to do with her. Absolutely. I think one of the things that Alex struggled with was that because she came in as a much quieter personality, not just compared to the other housewives, but compared to Simon. And Simon was given a lot of the season one and even season two limelight as the bigger personality of the two of them. It was difficult for Alex to then transition into getting the show more and getting the drama. And she kind of understood what she needed to do more, but it didn't stick in the same way because with the other women, like someone like Ramona, as you say, she can say whatever she wants and it just slides right off. It, mm-hmm. It's a bit like Donald Trump. You say enough crazy stuff and no one can kind of pin you down for any one thing. Whereas with Alex, the change was so sudden and so out of character from, from the first and second series. And I know she tried to, to pull it off as a kind of, now I'm finally saying what I think. But I've it just always had opinions, bite. but now people know it. Now people know it. So let's let's take it all the Where way back to, to the beginning. Begin? Where let, to let's begin? Let's start from the beginning because in in preparation for this, I did actually watch the first episode again, and I thought, "Am I? I'm going to watch this with a, a you know a, a clean perspective, and and mm-hmm. I don't know anything about them, and maybe you know my memory has done her an, an injustice." And the very first scene, it's like a montage of her and Alex doing their thing. They're working, they're at home. The very first shot is Alex on a laptop pretending to type. And I thought, oh, okay, great. No, <laughs> she's always been this way. Amazing. Right, um, absolutely. So already I was just, I was giggling to myself. And then we moved to Simon. And he, because I never really knew what he did. And he his claim to fame is that he manages a luxury hotel. Right. And I thought, oh, okay, this is interesting. And um, we then saw a shot. It was very fleeting of said hotel. And, you know, I'm no connoisseur of, um, you know, the hospitality industry, but I use the word luxury loosely. You can see there's a little shot of the lobby and you can see outside and it's opposite one of those sort of dollar pizza places and a Staples which makes me, I know exactly where it's situated. It's in a very dark corner of the larger Times Square area, which I can attest to as hell on earth because it's the kind of place where I go to do auditions for IBS commercials and things of that ilk. <laughs> it's the worst place 
in New York City and he's managing one of those really seedy hotels there and nothing about it is luxury whatsoever. Well, let's call a spade a spade. It's a standard three star. It's a three star hotel. It's just that, yeah, fair enough. And I, do, I will say, like, I think it's a, it's New York- a three star hotel. It's, it's no, it's no, I mean, I can only think of like the English equivalent when you drive through Earl's Court and you get sort of runs of like one star, two star B&Bs that kind of just look like apartment buildings. But I would say it's like, it's a solid three star. It certainly isn't a luxury hotel. It's a luxury hotel in the same way that you get like luxury dry cleaners. Like a, like a Dorinda John Modestian dry cleaners. Sure. Although I actually feel like his sort of is a luxury dry cleaners in terms of he sort of does do quite fancy things. I mean, more like near where I live, there's somewhere that's called the four star dry cleaners. And I really appreciate that they didn't even give themselves five stars, but they knew their worth. <laughs> they're keeping themselves in check. Well, that's the thing with the dry they're cleaners. Keeping them, they're, they're keeping themselves humble. The thing is, no one's necessarily expecting a dry cleaners to be luxury, but a hotel, you kind of assume there needs to be some semblance of luxury to it. Yeah. So you can't really have like a fake luxury hotel and i think this is simon's problem and actually alex's problem is that it wouldn't necessarily be a big deal if you didn't give people the material in the first place if you just said i worked at a hotel in midtown manhattan and then we saw said hotel no one would think anything of it but if you're going around saying that you're this swanky hotel manager then you're expecting you know the ritz or something yes and i suppose that's where bethany called them out in the first season as saying i think they were very upset that they felt that the editing had done them a disservice and that that they were more down to earth and that there was a, a snobbery amongst the women about them not having kind of old money in the same way. And Bethany was very quick to point out that Bethany is an underdog and Bethany doesn't have the same kind of lifestyle uh, as the other women, but she never purported that she did. Mm-hmm. Where Alex and Simon have just given them so much material to work with and so many contradictions that they can then conveniently sort of plaster on top of the footage of them. Yeah, then they, it's not only that they betray themselves by not quite living up to what they're trying to put out there into the universe. They keep bringing the kids into it. So then we'll obviously, oh, we'll have Alex saying, well, Johan and Francoise, you know, they're, um, they're fluent in French right now. And they can say there's a snake in my boots in five different languages. And then it cuts to Johan and Francois with the au pair going en français. And then one of them screaming like a demon <laughs> in English, no less. Um, Honestly, Johan and Francois look straight out of a remake of Oliver. The two kids, <laughs> honestly, both look like Victorian orphans. Just little street I think urchins. at one point I wrote to you saying, does Francois have typhus or something? They, and I don't say that as a judgment on other people's children. They just both look quite unwell, but in a very sort of, um, as if they both have consumption. Yes, they are both ruddy and sickly. Um, and I think they get that from Alex. <laughs> That's one for my hinge profile. Yeah. <laughs> I once got told that I clearly had a thing for boys that looked like Victorian street urchins. I, see, I, I think that's very in vogue in general right now. I think that, you know, it's like a Timothy Chalamet kind of look. Yeah, I cop to it. When I was younger, my 
absolute number one crush was Jack Wilde as the Artful Dodger in Oliver. And oh, it yeah. broke my heart when I found out that he had both become a drug addict and then died. Oh. And know. then, I know, and then my other huge crush was Scott Bow as Bugsy Malone in the film of Bugsy Malone. Mm. And after the whole Trump um, Access Hollywood recording came out, Scott Bow went on national television and told women to grow up and get over it. And I cried. He's a huge Trumpster. Yeah, no, that um, I know. that was such a disappointment to hear. No, I fancied him. I think a little bit of us died, died that day. That day. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, okay. Francois and Johan, absolutely, that's a perfect example where Simon and Alex gave the show so much material in order to send them up. And I think that the others... It's not that the editing is necessarily entirely flattering. I think that's how they present themselves in life. I think that, you know, you take someone like Luann and the whole kind of countess persona, the editors have a field day with that as well. Like they were never going to let slide that, that, and I know, you know, save it for the Luann episode, but um, that infamous bit where she turns to Bethany and says, uh, you're going to introduce me to the driver. You know, it's, it's, it's a countess you know the editors must they just couldn't believe their luck Mm. Alex and Simon are giving them that on a like on an like episode to episode basis they're giving like that much material because they are they are both you know big personalities you have someone like Simon who the truth is I actually think Simon is very authentic as a person because he is kind of unashamedly himself and I feel like I you know I, I feel like I know people like Simon with Alex, it's more difficult because I think I think I once wrote to you and said, I can't tell whether she's really performative or just like deeply tragic as a person. And I think it's a bit of both, but the cameras, the cameras and the editors have a field day with Alex's um, slight lack of authenticity that results in things like her pretending to type. I th- yeah, that's, I think to take your point about Luan um, with the driver is already an embarrassing moment, but the differences between Luan's faux pas or any of their faux pas and Alex's is that they're edited in such a way that makes them so full and so three-dimensional and they have so much more texture and depth. So if Luan had the same treatment from the editors that Alex McCord had, it would be Luan saying, if you're going to introduce me to a driver, it's Mrs. Dolceps. That would then be edited with an interview of her going, well, I'm a countess, but I I never forget where I come from. And I'm friends with people from our walks of life and I'm on first name terms with everybody. So it would have that betraying what she's actually like. And then you would have the music underneath the goofy boom, (laughs) you know, which is, it's always that trifecta with Alex. It's Alex doing something embarrassing, Alex giving a voiceover that contradicts what she's doing. And then some music or like an insert shot of something just to kind of just just put a bow on it the alex and simon theme tune they have so many theme tunes i was gonna say this was this was one of the the points that i wanted to make is that they have the goofy music which is essentially it's just a, a simon and alex music but then you also have do you know the really pretentious music where it's almost like done on a harpsichord or something where it's like yeah it's sort of 
it's sort of the equivalent of the like that you have like whenever pretty much the UK is shown on American television. <laughs> yeah, I know it is. It's, it's, it's like, like oh. yeah, whenever the the next top models go to the UK, yeah, it's always that. Uh, with a montage of like Big Ben and and a, a red London bus, but it'll be that music and then them just in a blow up pool in their back garden, you know. <laughs> and then they're giving us some guff about how they hate going to the Hamptons because it's not all that, and they'd actually rather have a swimming pool in their own home. But it, the said swimming pool is just a rubber dinghy, basically, and just like with a chain link fence behind them. Exactly, and some sort of piles of mouldy leaves and like mm-hmm. close-up shots of murky water. They're sure Let's to get those to close-up the, shots. The editors never miss a beat on this show. And the work that those cameramen do, getting those insert shots, even they know they're producing right there at the time, going, they're listening to whatever Alex is saying, and they're going, right. get an insert of that dirty patch of grass right there. It's relentless on that front, but I think in some ways it's because... Like you're saying, I think people like Luan and, and Jill Zarin and think they chose what to give the show of themselves. They chose they chose um, the persona that they decided. And I don't think they gave away much more than that. And Alex and Simon just opened those doors and were like, come right in. Like, you know, you look at the others. I don't think that they would allow cameras in if they had a situation like Alex and Simon's house when it was under construction, in many ways, there was huge snobbishness around that. Like it, it's, it, it was a house under construction. It wasn't the end of the world, but they, they set themselves up for those things again and again by, like you say, to have people in, but also cut to them talking about like how wonderful their home is and what a warm environment it is, for example. And then, you know, you stick the music on top and it's gold dust. Mm-hmm. It really is. They, they really do. I will give them this actually, though. In the very first episode, they really come in with a bang where they're in St. Bart's at the end of that episode. The rest of them are just kind of, you know, just on the beach in the Hamptons, which is all well and good. But they're, you know, they're jet setting. And yeah, they're, but aren't, they're the, the others are art. right in with like, yeah, but you know, you don't, you don't go to St. Bart's in, in a summer, winter, whichever it is. You know, they. I love that the show immediately was like, bam, faux pas. Like, oh, that's so true. I forgot about that. Place. They've immediately holidayed in the like at the wrong season, and they went. Let's be honest. The show went straight in with this, both this kind of nouveau riche, but this cheapness to them. This idea that the implication is they get to holiday in a nice place, but only if they go in the off season because it would be cheaper then. So I, I feel like I, I actually in some ways feel quite defensive of Alex and Simon, and on those reunion shows where they said that they felt that they were. Um, done over by the editing i did agree to to uh, you know that i do think the show picks and chooses whose side it's on and alex and simon were sent up a lot and i actually really i don't know if i'd say I, i liked alex in the first season but i felt for her and so began this kind of push and pull relationship i have with her of both feeling very sorry for alex and um what would you what would you say is on the other side of the push and pull? You feel very sorry for Alex because there's something very tragic about Alex. But in some ways, I guess my point is that I still like her. Like, despite in those four seasons, I would find myself really aggravated by someone like Kelly coming in and being rude to her or the way that they all talked over her. But she also undeniably 
um, gives a very poor performance a lot of the time. I, I, honestly, I find her a very tragic figure of the show. She's very tragic. And this is actually interesting because I, for me, when I watch any Housewives show, I'm always looking for the tragedy in these women and they give me so much. There's plenty of it. And I, and essential, this is the first wanky alert of the episode. You know, there's that, (laughs) it gets wankier. (laughs) A central tenet, I would say of of Greek tragedy is, is, is the term harmatia, which, um, (laughs) for the lay person is loosely translated to, you know, the hero's tragic flaw. And, or, you know, they've made some kind of mistake because of their pride or, you know, whatever. And it carries with it a lot of moral connotations. But actually, it's interesting because the, it derives from a pretty morally neutral uh, Greek verb, um, which literally just means to miss the mark, which I feel sums up Alex so much. It's that constant failure, not out of arrogance or anything. It's just she's launched an arrow and it just completely misses the target every Mm. single time. Um, And that I think for me is the recurring theme. And I think a lot of the problem is that she does put herself in those situations and I can relate to her because I have no doubt if I were to do the show, I would end up looking like an Alex. But however, there's like a scene and it's not necessarily a big scene where they go to a skin clinic and she goes and she gets her face shaved and she has a huge pimple and she has to take off, off all her makeup revealing this huge glaring pimple which is kind of like a bit embarrassed i would be a bit embarrassed to do that and then the dermatologist really reprimands her and suddenly gets very motherly with her and goes you really shouldn't do that you've been picking your pimple that's that is going to get infected this it's not right and it's just if i was in that situation and i had a huge pimple and i knew that i had a call sheet to film at a dermatologist i would do anything i can to get out of it i'd pull a sick day but Alex, she's a trooper. She'll turn up to those events coming from a photo shoot with hair looking like, you know, the bride of Frankenstein and, and she's game for it. So I don't know whether she is in on the joke or not. Well, I'm going to put it out there. I wonder whether Alex doesn't know her worth. And I think she absolutely puts out that she does. And uh, a, a sort of staple of her personality is a sort of not caring what anyone thinks and knowing herself incredibly well, but wearing it very awkwardly. I wonder whether it's Alex's insecurity that stops her from, as you say, uh, going, well, I'm not filming that today because I have a massive pimple and I will not be sent up. She's sort of game for anything. And in many ways, it's that insecurity, it's that unspoken part of Alex that really is just desperate to be involved, that I think makes her very relatable in some ways, because aren't we all a little bit scared that we are the Alex? Absolutely. I think we all like to think that we have what it takes to be on the show. And not only that, we could be the Bethany Frankel. We would be the voice of the people. We would be calling the shots. We would be wisecracking. And it just, we would be the Alex. I really feel that very strongly that I think it's easy to, to pick someone like Bethany, as you say, uh, because she is the voice of the people and she is so identifiable. But the truth is, Bethany must have balls of steel. Like her, her, Bethany's self-assurance 
is insane. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know she cries a lot, and and but her, her ease as a person, her ease in front of the camera, is coveted by all the women. They all know Bethany can do it better than anybody else. And what Alex lacks, Alex is like the yang to Bethany's yin in terms of ease. Like Alex has this quite chaotic energy. She's stiff. She's awkward. She's uncomfortable. You know, look at Johan face. She's when Kelly keeps going on about like, I want you to soften. It's like, can't you see? It just goes against everything in Alex. She's sharp edges. She sort of doesn't quite fit. She can't quite sort of settle. And I think it's that lack of ease that both puts Alex on the outs, but also makes such good television. It does. And I think weirdly that lack of ease, I think we forget on these shows is a very human characteristic. And I think as Bethany is TV normal, which makes me think in real life, you she'd be absolutely crazy. There's a reason why she's such good 100%. television. And actually, I do think Alex, weirdly, is the most normal of the bunch. I could imagine her walking into my apartment right now and being like, oh, hi, Alex, you're right. And I think that's why also she does elicit such a strong reaction from people because we see ourselves in her. I think we're repelled by her, but we we recognize that we are her as well. Mm. She really triggers something in me. And I think it's akin to that feeling of, especially once... Simon kind of recedes into the background and she kind of seemingly finds more of a footing in the group. She's kind of tolerated at best. And I think we all relate to that experience of being at school and there's a group of people and you're kind of there on the outskirts with the popular kids and you're listening to them talking. They don't even know you're there. They don't even know what your name is. And you're laughing like a mad person at any kind of joke that they make. And on the one hand, you're disgusted that you you know what's going on and you're kind of disappointed in yourself, but also the high, the high, the elation of being included. It It's just, there's nothing like it. And that disgusting mixture of the two just sums up Alex and it's why I love her. It's so true. I think the show allows you as an audience to be an observer to a group dynamic. And I know that I have been Alex in that group dynamic fearful that perhaps the only reason people open up to you is because they don't have someone else or because you've become the kind of Switzerland of the group in a way that means you're quite harmless. But still you can see, you never see Alex McCord light up more than when somebody leans on her or needs her for a second. She comes into her own. And of course it's sad because as an outsider, you recognize that they're using her Mm -hmm. to a degree. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's why it's also they're using her, but she really does fill in the blanks. I think that desire to feel wanted and feel included and go, yes, I will, to anything if it means being involved is why we get such amazing scenes like when she delivers the message, the message. We've got to talk about this. We've got to talk about it. I don't think I have ever written to James in more catalogs 
than I did over the scene in which Alex delivers Bethany's message, Bethany's infamous message. So let's just talk through it just in case anyone for some reason is listening to this who hasn't seen the scenes but has carried on listening this far. Um, apologies. So Bethany is speaking to Alex on the phone and says very casually in passing and quite spurred on by Alex that if Jill happens to be at the same thing that Alex is at and they're having a conversation about where Bethany and Jill's friendship is at, Alex can feel free to say, I think Bethany's done. If the timing's right, if the mood is right. If the timing's right. She has her by herself, that sort of situation. I think Bethany's Bethany's out. Mm -hmm. That was it. And what does Alex respond? She goes, I will do that. The fire is lit within me. I will do that. So she (laughs) she walks in. One of the most Shakespearean. (laughs) She then we then witness a soliloquy. At the four stage. Honestly, her talking heads become, I honestly feel I could write it into a piece of theatre. She's practically tears up in her talking heads about how she feels she will do this for Bethany. And her brow is ever so low. She's really carrying the burden of this message. Oh my God, I'm so <laughs> giddy at the thought of it, just recollecting it. Now, the so, first thing we have to talk about yeah. is how long it takes for her to even be able to say it because <laughs> as a perfect example of why I was saying in some ways Alex is a good listener because no one else ever shuts up but it is made so much more painful than I think Alex intended when she decided to kind of sharpshooter her image of herself I'm thinking she was like I'm gonna make it like short sharp rip it off like a plaster I'm gonna go straight in I'm not going to do the small talk around it. I'm just going to be like, Jill, I have a message from Bethany. She's done. But of course, Alex walks in and ends up getting kind of accosted by everyone and interrupted and has to say the sentence, I have a message, something like upwards of 20 times. And it's not just it's, two minutes of television. It's not just she gets interrupted by people because they're all talking over the top of her, which must not feel good because you are making a reality show where you need to start drama. And if someone says, I have a message from Bethany, whom you're feuding with right now, everyone just give her the floor. You know what it was? No one does. It was an extraordinary demonstration of Alex's complete lack of status. Exactly. She's right down there at the bo- bottom of the pecking order. And it's, it's heightened by the fact that husbands are there as well. So even Mario's higher than she is on the totem pole. And she's, it's not only she's being interrupted, she's kind of tripping over her words. She does that kind of like... So there's a lot of that going on. And then we get... And also they, and they love it. And that's, I think one of the things I actually find quite hard to watch in the show is... The others enjoy stoking Alex's inarticulacy. Oh, absolutely. God I... knows when they discovered she breaks out in hives, like they love it. They, they push her to break out more and more. So you could see that they all were like, well, what's going to make great television is if we just make this as like difficult for Alex as possible. Those hives. Because the they're... show sends her up, which is why I don't think they ever, ever could have expected what her message would be. 
when it gets to the point where Jill herself, who's the, who knows what the message is going to be at this point, she knows it's not going to be a nice message, and she's going, say it, say it, say it, say it. <laughs> <laughs> And then, it would be, and, then, and then just as Alex is about to say it, like Luan will sort of <laughs> pop a pumpkin head into the conversation to be like, what is it? What are we talking about? I know, yeah, that's suddenly everyone's just cheers. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> it's such good television. And what, is it, what does she so, say verbatim? She goes, Bethany wants you to know that you and her are done and she never wants to speak to you again. It's pretty cold. <laughs> <laughs> so not what Bethany said. It's not at all. It's But it's also the way she's like, she is done. Yeah. She never wants to speak to you again. That is my message. <laughs> and then she doesn't even and walk off. She just she stands there. Well, the thing is, everyone just goes, boo, oh, that's not nice. Like they don't even let it. <laughs> but also she stands there and Jill sort of starts to cry. And you can see Alex has never had that kind of power before. Alex hasn't made anyone cry on the yeah, show. That was a high or like her. really upset someone. And she's almost smiling because you can see that she's kind of on a weird power high. Mm. But she's also, and she's like, this is what it feels like to, to finally have status on this show. And she kind of can't hide her glee at that. But at the same time, it's like, this is terrible because I feel like I'm about to be made the villain in this situation. And all she's I've very done lucky is been a great it, friend of Bethany. I think if this, was a, if this aired during the time of Twitter, I think she would have been dragged for it because it was quite a villainous move and the punishment did not fit the crime. But lucky for her, everyone just kind of forgot about it. But it's, she, and it, she's well, especially they lucky. Did, they did and they didn't. They, they forgot about it. But I mean, it did prompt from Jill Zarin the beginning oh, no, of the yeah. whole oh, yeah. feud oh absolutely but, oh, you mean, but you like mean the court of public opinion I think just because everyone See. decided that they were on team or they weren't on team Jill that therefore that was kind of permissible but it was actually yes. quite it was very That's harsh true. and then her then going to visit Bethany in person going the deed is done <laughs> and <laughs> Bethany's like what and she's like uh, the message and she's like Oh, that. Oh, okay. okay. What, what happened? And then she explains it. And even Bethany's like, oh, God, wow. Okay, that took balls. And she's like, not really bothered. It's she's just kind of like, oh, cheers. Thanks, Al. <laughs> and that's that. It doesn't take up any more thought in Bethany's mind. But oh, boy, that it's was... It's perfect. And then, and it's just the gift that keeps giving as people come to Alex and say, you know, I think Luann's like, why didn't you do that? And she's like, you know, I, I had given Bethany my word. I, it's like we had made a we'd made a blood pact we had we, had, we swore to lucifer well who made you god I, are you god i don't think so <laughs> oh, it's extraordinary. extraordinary i think it's then interesting pivoting that scene with i in my mind a very similar scene that happens in the next season in Morocco, and this, I think. Oh, you're going straight down. there. We're going. I just, straight I feel like we have to go there Alex. because there's so many parallels, and I think this is how she's kind of overplayed her hand. And the reason why I love this scene so much is that there's this scene perfectly encapsulates all three of the key players. We have Alex, we have Luan, and we have Kelly Claw and Ben Simone, and they're all being peak themselves, and. Do you know the Can scene I just I'm talking say that about? Kelly's, Kelly's full name sounds like a potential vaccine. <laughs> Every time that we've talked about Kelly and you say her name, I think it sounds like something that Donald Trump might be like trying out because it sounds, it's, it sounds positive. 
<laughs> Pfizer have now started handing out the Kelly Chlorin Benzerone. I mean, I'm <laughs> buying, sto- I'm buying stocks in it. Yeah. <laughs> if Kelly has stocks, I, I'm buying. I do know the scene you're talking about. And I do believe that it begins with the best entrance. The best entrance ever. And just to give In some, Housewives history. It's... There's a lot of soundscaping going on, but just before we get there, just context, the reason why in my mind it's so similar is because, again, it involves Alex fighting a battle that not only is not her battle to fight, but she's doing it on behalf of someone who couldn't care less that she's doing it and someone who doesn't particularly value her friendship. So we we come off of uh, a crazy fight between Jill and Ramona where Ramona has this really, and I, I don't use this term regularly, but it's an iconic moment of her lying on her bed like she's a damsel in Gone with the Wind or something, heaving tears. And then she's, Alex comes across her and she kind of like gets Ramona's head and nestles her into Alex's bosom. And then Luann comes in. <laughs> Luann's going, Ramona, what's going on? I heard this whole fracas. You know, there's, did you want to talk about it? I mean, Jill is crying over here. And then you have Sonia and, and Alex. <laughs> Alex is just in her element. As you say, she's got, she's got Ramona sort of wrapped up in her breast and she's sort of, She's, she goes, could, could, you, get, could you get Ramona a, a, a Pinot Grigio? Thank you. Thank you. That would be really great. And then the second one's back's turn, she turns to Sonia and she's mouthing, you know, Alex is flying high, high on the front of she's like, I have Ramona in my arms. And, and she takes her role as defender incredibly seriously. Incredibly seriously, although not very well, because of all the things to get Luan out of the room, can you get her a Pinot Grigio? The bar's in the room. So Luan is just Absolutely. like, oh, okay, sure. And then just like pivots and walks two steps to the bar in the corner. Well, yeah, Alex is going, get her out of it. So then it's not quite done. And then Alex... Completely we have a whole of, day. You have a whole day. And she's, there's a whole it's, day. It's all, it all settles. It, some time um, has passed. and Time Alex, has passed. And Ramona and Alex have a very calm conversation on the roof in which I think about as far as it gets is I think Ramona says um, something along the lines of like, yeah, it, it, re- it, it really upset me. It really upset me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was no talk Alex of a has a very Alex has a very calm reaction to that. <laughs> Or so we think. And then oh, we so we to, thought. <laughs> we cut to, oh my God, this scene. So we then have a scene involving Luann and Kelly and Cindy Bar Shop. And they walk in to a little alcove in the house where they have these henna stations set up. And there's three um, buxom Moroccan women who are doing the henna on them. And it's something that Luann, because just for some context, Luann is the hostess of this trip. She goes to Morocco all the time. Um, she she knows the lingo, Yahabibi. And oh, Yahabibi. So she's really taken it upon herself to be a cultural ambassador here. And she's really selling the merits of the henna here. And she's like, it's fabulous. It's like, you know, getting your nails done. All the girls are just sitting around gossiping. And then as they're talking, you hear, I don't know if this does it justice, but And then Luanne goes, 
Wait, is that a herd of wildebeest coming down the stairs? I mean, what the hell is that? And then Alex... Honestly, you are going to have to put in the clip, the sound of her coming down the stairs, it doesn't do if it justice. possible. It's insane. I swear they did some room tone afterwards. That can't... How can... They must have turned the sound way, way, way Also, to be fair, you know, they're in a big, like, roomy sort of stone Habitus villa. Tiled, it's yeah. echoey. It, but it, it is... It's cinematic. It's It's perfect on in every way and alex comes in she has this scarf on a shawl and she flings it over her shoulder really you can see the momentum that's pushed her into the scene and she had chest i've never seen her bosom sticking out so much in my entire life and she goes luan we need to talk and luan goes sure is everything okay and then alex already she's out of the room she's going no not okay and then they all have a moment of going what the hell just happened? And so they all go, no, Alex, come back in here. And then this is where she makes her first mistake, first of many mistakes. She comes back into the room and they're like, Alex, what the hell was that? I mean, is, what's, what's going on? And, she, and Alex goes, yeah, I, I need to, to talk to uh, Luan. I just, you know, when, whenever you're done with the, okay, and then, and then <laughs> Luan, this is why she's been around all these years. This is why Luan is the best at what she does. She goes, she, she goes, Alex, well, Alex, sit down, pull up a chair. Let's talk. I mean, what's the issue? So she's already pivoting everything. And now she has the power. And now Alex is there on Luan's time. And it's like the end. It's the same thing of say it, say it, say it. And all three of them are going, what are you trying to say? And they just watch her flailing. It's like she got water in her system on, and she's short circuiting. She's twitching. She, her mouth is agape. She's gasping for air. And then on top of it, you have Luan going, Alex, come on, you have to say something, spit it out. And then you have Kelly being, it's fant- it's, it's like a meta moment where she's, become director and she's directing the scene and she's going, Alex, you're being weird. You're weird. You're being inauthentic. You're having an inauthentic moment. Just no, you can't do that. You can't just come in here and be weird. It's not real. You're acting, you're acting. You got to redo the scene, re-enter, re-enter. You're, you're, you're weird. You're so weird. God, you, you can't do that. And then, it is I, honestly one of the most meta moments. I've never seen anything. And I love it when those meta moments happen on the show where someone just doesn't play ball or someone, like you were saying, effectively starts directing the scene. Alex doesn't know how to respond. And I think she, it's the most appropriate response where she goes, what the hell are you talking about, Kelly? Because Kelly now is on a rampage. And while all this is going on, Luanne bamboozles Alex by getting up and going, you know what? I don't have time for this. You, you interrupted our henna session. How dare you go back to the cupboard you came out of, which... <laughs> When Luann storms out, Alex doesn't know her ass from her elbow. She has come in there once again, thinking that she has the status, thinking that she has the power. And she is left like this little crumpled heap at the end of it, where it's the show. It's like, it's too much for her. It's too it's, mm-hmm. like th- those drama scenes. She just can't do it. It's too much. But in perfect Alex fashion, we have the perfect synchronization of the music. The dramatic music swells and then the camera pivots around and we just get Alex looking over her shoulder and she goes, <sighs> just that little <gasps> exhale is all we needed to know. It was just the perfect button on that scene. <laughs> it's glorious. The, the way Luan, sorry, this is just a small point and I can't believe I forgot this because it also makes the scene is that Alex says something like, 
Ramona's having a breakdown right now and Luann throws her head back and does a Disney villain laugh. She goes, ha 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 ha. And then she gets all the Moroccan ladies to join her. And she just like rallies <laughs> all of the women around the cause. <laughs> There's something, the backdrop of the henna tattoo is so perfect for that whole scene as well. Well, I think the key is, is that it makes the, the tableau of the scene kind of mirrors the power dynamic perfectly. It's this very classical image of Luan as this sort of Moroccan empress being tended to by her minions. And she's just summoned this this pleb, this peasant Alex, who's inadvertently now going to play the role of the court jester just for Luan's own amusement. But it's not even done then because... No. Alex, as if she hasn't suffered humiliation enough that she's come in all guns blazing, determined that this is her moment to to really cement that friendship with Ramona, I think. I think she's seen the Ramona-Sonia friendship and she wants in. And she doesn't have the ease with them. She doesn't have like the level of comfort they have with each other. So it's like she's gone, so I will be the loyal one. I will be the, I will be the great defender. Like she tried to do for Bethany. It's all blown up in her face from let's face it just a complete misfire on her entrance if the entrance had been different the whole scene would have played out differently it would have been completely different but kelly is not done with her and honestly what happens after that is effectively 15 minutes of kelly picking up alex like a mouse that has been half mauled by the kind of cat that is luann who's just stalked off and it's like Kelly comes in as some other woodland animal and just sort of picks up the plaything and just like bats it around a bit, sort of kicks it. Like, it, honestly, it's cruel what happens. Before we, get, before we get there, though, we have that delicious diatribe. It's a hot mic moment of, of Kelly going, she, she can't do that. She's, she's an idiot. She can't just walk in here, you know, with her Afghan scarf. And just ruin the scene. And now my Hannah is ruined. I mean, who's going to fix this? Santa? <laughs> just completely out of it. She's making <laughs> a casino. Kelly goes <laughs> mad. Kelly goes mad. And this is one of the things I find so bizarre about Kelly is that she's able to behave like that. And on a sixpence, what is wrong with my, fr- my choice of phrase? <laughs> Do you turn on a sixpence? Turn Within on a dime? seconds. <laughs> It depends where you are. Within seconds, Kelly is able to not only do a 180 on where she personally stands, but take no responsibility whatsoever for whatever she's just said or done. I mean, you know, we'll talk about it when we talk about Kelly more in future, but that is a perfect example where she has this sort of explosion of rage, sort of around off camera and then around the cameras and then is able to somehow turn around to Alex and berate her for not being calm and not bringing a calm energy. Talk us through what happens next because you do it so beautifully. So we then, we have that moment where Kelly goes off on Alex and then Alex goes, no, excuse me, I am not done. And she propels herself. She's almost horizontal. 
and she barges past cameraman. She goes, excuse me, I am having a real emotional moment right now. And she's just completely taken on Ramona. Ramona doesn't give a shit, because I might add as well, this is now being intercut with scenes. These are like the fun, wacky scenes of Ramona and Sonia being a little too... Just like pissing about. They're pissing about, creeping around the house. They couldn't care less. They're trying to get caftans from that, you know, the Moroccan version of Tom Ford. They're creeping around trying not to be noticed like they're in Scooby-Doo or something. And meanwhile, Alex is crying. And then immediately Kelly goes, shh, dead behind the eyes. Shh, put on your scarf. We're in Morocco. And then Alex is like, thank you for reminding me. And then she, Alex is trying to say her piece. And Kelly is saying, close your eyes. Close your eyes. And then Alex is going, no, I just wanted to say my, close your eyes. No, but okay, okay, I'll, 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 I'll make you a deal. I'll close my eyes and then, no, no, close your eyes now. Just your own face. <laughs> and then Alex has got her eyes closed finally. And she, and Alex goes, <gasps> as if she's about to say something. And then, <laughs> and then Kelly goes, open your eyes now. <laughs> and then Alex is like, actually, no. And she, she goes, mm. And puts her fingers up like, I just need a minute. So then she starts talking with her eyes closed. And she goes, I feel very, I'm angry. And I, no, you're not angry. You're upset. You're sad. You're sad. No, I'm, 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 I'm angry. No, you're sad. You're sad. You're trying to create calm in a chaotic situation. You're, you're sad. You're sad. Well, well, I can be angry and sad. No, you're sad. You're sad. And we don't really get anywhere, really, um, because I think then Kelly. Well, how does she? How does it end? I, I, I've had my mind's drawing a blank now. It ends with Jill Zarin walking up with her <laughs> hair like a poodle. <laughs> um, She's like, "Hi! Oh my God! Look at this! What have they done to me? Look! I look like a poodle." <laughs> oh, your Jill Zarin always sounds like fuzzy bear. Terrible. Um, <laughs> I want um, to say as well, just a small tidbit. This is why New York gives us so much because we have this going on. We have the scene of Ramona and Sonia running around being wacky. We have Jill coming in, breaking the tension immediately with a half perm. Um, and then while this is going on, we have Alex's hives are just growing by the second. And it's almost like, you know, a Chiron, you know, when there's like a good episode and it says 342 and you think, oh, we're in for a good one here. And it's just like a nice marker for how long this argument is going to be. It's that's like how we keep it in time here. And they just slowly spread. And I do think part of the reason why the editors give us such a hard time is they must it must be a nightmare for editing because the scene has to be constructed around the progression of Alex's hives. They can't just cut back and forth because it would be, <laughs> it would be so inconsistent. So I think it, that, that's I think really... It's, I think this is actually a good time for us to talk about Alex, about the hives and the shakes. So Alex obviously breaks out in hives whenever she's feeling distressed, whenever she feels upset, angry, whatever Kelly Bensman wants to decide that it is, but pretty much when she feels any extreme emotion. And it does appear to get worse as the seasons go on to the point that in season four at the reunion, whenever Alex speaks, she seems to break out in hives. Yeah, she's uh, a shell of her former self. And I think she just completely overplayed her hand. And I think she's just running. Mm. She's running on hives at this point. It's an unfortunate thing. I mean, imagine we've talked before about like the deep, seated fear of being the Alex of a group and of of you know you said about the Ramona um Sonia relationship a perfect example is after that whole argument 
Alex goes upstairs and sort of tries to collapse herself on the bed in kind of a fun sleepover way. And honestly, Ramona and Sonia just look a bit like she's ruined their their party. Ramona. And they're a bit like, oh yeah, you know, what happened? And she explains and they just don't care. Alex has just allowed herself pretty much a character assassination from both Luann and Kelly. And Ramona doesn't care. She's just been running around pretending to be a budgie in a cactus. She, Ramona says something really telling as well. She says, see, this is why I like you, Alex. You sit there and listen to my problems. And Sonia makes me laugh. Which basically, right. you know, we all know what the Which subtext is. Which sums Alex up in a, exactly. And I just, I think the hives thing is really unfortunate because imagine if we all had like a telltale sign that effectively that we were nervous. I think the hives aren't a product of Alex being angry. I think the hives are like her body going into fight or flight mode because she's so bad with confrontation or any form of extreme emotion to the point that even if she's sort of done a a zinger in the reunion, it's like she breaks out of hives from the adrenaline that comes from that. Um, And it's unfortunate because it's a very easy target. She, they really rallied around her. I know I'm going back now, but to um, Scary Island after Kelly's gone, all is calm. They're having their their pedicures, and then Jill walks in. Hi, and Alex is like you said, shaking. She's shaking. I've never seen her so pale. And they all rally around her. They're hugging her. They're kissing her. They're crying, and she just goes, "There's been enough drama." And they, and like, you know what's funny is that the last few days, the drama hasn't been Alex's. It's so bizarre. Like, you'd understand if Bethany started to have a nervous breakdown, having just been uh, at the other end of, of Kelly having a kind of nervous breakdown, but a very pointed nervous breakdown at her, saying that she thinks that she's trying to kill her, um, and going after everything, calling her a hoe bag, going after her, her career. She finally goes, and Jill turns up, Fair enough, in a way, if Bethany was like, you know what? No, I've just done this for three days. Alex has been on the outside and she's shaking like a leaf. Do you think that was a put on? You know what? It's one of the the many times that I struggle with whether Alex is, um, is very uncomfortable in herself or whether Kelly's right, whether she is just a bad actor in many ways. It's hard to tell because I don't, I think the implication that she's a bad actor implies that she's trying to put on something for the show. And I don't believe it's for the show. I believe she would be like that in real life. You know, you said you can imagine her walking into your home. I have to say last night, I had a look at her current Instagram and I was like, she seems to have remained the most kind of normal and the most herself. But I believe she'd probably still be like that today. I think, Mm. um, I think she's someone who just is quite kind of uncomfortable in her own skin. Yeah. Shall we, do you have anything else to say about Alex? So uh, they love to shop and uh, some of their choices are um, somewhat questionable. So I, I think in general, this is another reason why Alex isn't fairly paid her dues because she was really experimenting with the fashions. Of course, they were more misses than hits. That's just a given because it's Alex. But she, I would say that Alex McCord walked so that the likes of Erica Jane could run. Wow. 
That's because this was in a day, thank you. This was in this was a time before, you know, it was about the lifestyle and it was about the elegance of these women, but fashion it didn't quite have the same focus that it seems to now, especially on the likes of Beverly Hills, where every outfit is a costume. And I think the closest person who came to that in those early, early days from the very first episode was Alex herself. And what better person? Because we, I don't want to watch these shows out of a sense of aspiration necessarily. I, I don't want these women to wear outrageous clothes and look good in them. I want them to look like, I want them to be gauche and have it look like the outfits are wearing them. And if you're going to pick a housewife to do that, there's no better person than, than Alex. Do you have a favorite? I would say, I, I always go back to, um, was it the birthday present that Simon got for her where he commissioned someone to make a corset for her out of a burlap sack that says food. So that was probably my favorite. And I thought, oh, this is good. I can't wait to see what Alex says. And then she says the perfect thing in response. She goes, I think I'm going to wear it to the opera. (laughs) 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 So that's, that's, that's my vote. What's yours? My favorite is uh, one of the tops Alex wears in her talking head, which appears to have a chain collar made out of skin. That's the best way I can (laughs) describe it. I was going to say the flesh and chains. (laughs) The flesh and chains. If you say flesh and chains, then that's a true Alex fan would know. Yeah, oh, for sure. 100%. I knew the one. So to cap off, um i think that we should finish today exchanging uh our favorite alex mccord lines slash moment okay and when i say moment i mean uh it couldn't go as far as a whole argument but you would be allowed to have the likes of the exhalation after luann storm passed her for the purposes of giving one that we haven't discussed before because honestly those all of those moments are right Mm. up there i actually want to throw a bit of a curveball and give a moment that actually wasn't on the show so this was and i found this when i was looking at alex mccord memes and when i first saw it i had i short-circuited for a moment because i thought where is this from i've seen every episode many times i do not recognize this And on further digging, it's a clip from VH1's Couples Therapy that Alex and Simon did after Alex was let go from the show. And Alex and Simon, they're sitting in a hot tub. And I think Alex's gripe is that Simon is always talking over her, always interrupting her. She can't be her own woman. And as she's trying to articulate herself, Simon talks over her once again. And Alex goes, I really hate when you do that. And then there's dramatic music and Alex goes, you know what? I'm done. I'm sick of this. And then she gets up out of the hot tub. She flings down her towel, walks away, makes her dramatic exit and immediately falls over. (laughs) (laughs) That's our girl. (laughs) And I was like, bye, Alex. This is the last time I'm ever going to see you on TV. And what a perfect farewell. (laughs) Perfection. What about you? I'm going to pick... Um, I think it's Alex's second birthday shown on the show 
on Governor's Island, mm-hmm. where Simon has organized for family and friends to sit around on a gray, cloudy, windy day on picnic benches with seemingly no entertainment or food for hours on end. And the talking head of Alex is her saying it was the best birthday she ever had. Interspersed, I'm assuming, with insert shots of babies being like blown away in the wind, (laughs) trees falling over. (laughs) It was perfection. (laughs) That's why we love you, Alex. It is why we love you. (sighs) Right. What are we talking about next week? So next week, I'm really excited. So we're going to really push the boat out. And we've already spoken about her a bit today, but she needs her own episode. We're going to talk about the one, the only, Kelly Caloran Ben-Simone. Coming to a clinic near you. Oh, I can't wait. I'm not going to say anything I'm else. Actually, I'm actually stressed before we've even started talking about her. Kelly I'm, breaks me out in hives. I'm, I'm cross already. I'm actually quite angry. I'm You're not angry, James. You're sad. Oh, okay. Well, that's all we have wait. time for today. Um, so thank you for joining us on the Housewives Archives. Make sure to click subscribe so you never miss a show. And while you're at it, we would really appreciate a rating. So if you'd simply tell your friends about the show, that would help us out a lot too. So thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.